Hello everyone, welcome to an Alec TV live stream. I'm Katherine Mortensen from Alec Public Affairs. Joining me today is Nino Marchese. He is our criminal justice, civil justice reform policy expert. Is that accurate? The task force director, yes. Yeah, and joining us remotely from Worcester, Massachusetts is the sheriff of Worcester County. His name is Lou Evangelitis. And we're so happy that you're with us today. I just wanna let the audience know a little bit about who you are because you are so exceptional. You were elected sheriff, I, I believe the first Republican sheriff in Worcester County, Massachusetts um, in 50 years. You were elected a little over 10 years ago. And during those 10 years, you have made tremendous reforms. You have had a tremendous impact for good. Um, one of the things we'll talk about today is how you have reduced recidivism rates among the inmates and just really worked to make your community safer. And what we wanna talk about today is the thing that everyone in America is really concerned about right now is making America safe again and how we can do that and what kind of policies are needed. So obviously, Nino, you're the policy guy. I'll let you get started and um, we'll just kind of have a conversation with the sheriff. So thank you very much. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I, uh, I'll i just preface it by saying you are right. I'm, I, I tell people I'm the first Republican elected in Worcester County, Massachusetts. This is Massachusetts, remember. Um, I say 50 years because nobody can remember. So it was a long time ago. But nonetheless, I've always based my career on professionalism. And sometimes the political system gets corrupted and you need someone to come from outside to kind of run a professional organization, which is about public safety uh, and professionalism, not patronage and politics. So that's how I got into it. And I just want to say how grateful and thankful I am to be on here with you to talk about the work we've done and and the where the times that we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for being here. Um, yep. I was really excited to see the work that you're doing. Um, I was curious to know you've been in office, you know, about 10 years now, uh, Central Massachusetts. Um, you talk about shaking things up to get these reforms done, that professional attitude. Um, what did Worcester County look like before you came into office? And what's, what's the, the tone right now with all the programs that you've kind of set up? What does it look like now? Sure. Well, there's a lot to say, but I guess I'll get started by saying, you know, Worcester County, you know, according to your picture, your question, I will say is, uh, is it beautiful county? It was a beautiful county before I got here and it will be a beautiful county after I'm gone. So, I mean, being facetious when you ask me, how does it look? I think you're referring to how did the culture and the climate of the Worcester County Sheriff's Department look when I ran for office in 2010. Is that right, a fair yeah. assessment of your question? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I say this everywhere I go for 10 years, and I, I ask anyone who does not agree with my assessment, that's their opinion. This is my opinion, but I think it's based on a lot of fact that for 50 years or so, this department had been, you know, in Democratic hands. And, and because of that, it, in Massachusetts, being an overwhelmingly Democratic state, I felt it had a reputation about of being essentially a place for patronage and politics. And you know that a large sheriff departments like us in Massachusetts, we're elected officials. We actually are the longest serving elected officials, I believe, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We were initially appointed by the kings of England as the essential county governors, the sheriffs. Uh, to oversee and keep the peace. And as we've evolved over the last three, 400 years, you know, we've become elected officials that supervise the public safety of our counties. Worcester County is a county, for those of you listening may not know, we're the largest geographic county in, in Massachusetts. We go from the, the, the northern border of New Hampshire and Vermont down to the southern borders of 
Connecticut and Rhode Island. So we're 60 towns, we're almost a million people. And in those years before I was elected sheriff, I felt the department had evolved into, as I said, a place where there was a lot of politics and patronage. I've known some of the prior sheriffs, they're good men. They just shared a different vision than I did. And I kind of ran against the system because I felt criminal justice um, and my background having been someone who uh, I went to uh, not only the University of Mass Amherst, but I went to law school at Temple University. I worked in the private sector for 20 years, really, before I even ran. I didn't run for political office till I was 40. And I served as a state representative, a Republican representative from seven towns in Worcester County. And then when the sheriff's department opened up, the prior sheriff ran for a different office. Uh, I ran on a on a really a platform of against what has been going on at the sheriff's department. And instead of patronage and politics, I promised to clean up what I felt was a mess. And to do that, I had to establish some things right out of the gate. And I'm very proud of those things. But first, first and foremost was never accepting a campaign contribution from an employee of our department or their spouses. There was a long history of that. And the people who cared most about who Sheriff was were people that worked there and their spouses. So there was, a, there was a bit of a shakedown. And then it was promotions were based a lot on who played the political game, who held political signs, who would contribute to a politician, uh, things that are just really completely contrary to running a professional department. And then we had things like hiring. Too many people were hired because they knew somebody. People got promoted because they played the game. So I really set out to run against the system. I didn't have anybody here supporting me. And there are hundreds of employees here, none of whom I knew nor I wanted their support because I really wanted the support of the people outside my window of Worcester County. And I promised we would never accept a contribution from an employee or spouse that had never been done before. I would raise the hiring standards where you have to have served your country or you would have to have a college degree for us to hire you. So no more nepotism, no more family members on the payroll, no more political, you know, nephews and nieces and cousins getting hired. Those days ended the day the people put their faith in me, overwhelmingly, by the way, to be their sheriff. Uh, the name of the sheriff, my name, Evangelitis, it would fit on vehicles. It doesn't belong there. So that was removed at no cost to the taxpayer. Inmate labor took those off. Um, and we've set upon 10 years now of raising the bar on professionalism. You're hiring the best people to do a very difficult job, which is, you know, keeping people off the street who need to be keep, kept off the street, but also prepare those for re-entry who are going to be getting released so they become more productive, better citizens when they leave than when they got here. That's very hard work. So that's kind of how I came into it. The approach I took changed the culture of this department that it existed for 50 years. And I promise you, Changing culture is not easy. People didn't know any other way than the political way. We had to demonstrate it by sticking to our guns. We had a lot of arbitrations. We had a lot of terminations. We had a lot of struggles, but we stuck to our guns because that's who sent the people sent us here to run this department about public safety and professionalism. And I'm proud to say, in my opinion, we have stuck to our, our promises. Okay, Sheriff, this is Catherine. I want to pull up a video. Sorry, I thought I had it ready to go. But it was about this unique program that you started there called Opportunity yep. uh, Worcester County Jail. And what you did there was you allowed the inmates to sort of develop, to practice, and to share their singing talents. And I want to hear a little bit more about that. 
I, I really liked it because it sounds like the inmates were given a chance to do something that they love to do in a setting that was safe. And just tell me what kind of a difference that program made for the inmates. Yeah, Catherine, I'll, I'll give you just a slight background of that because what I love about being sheriff is that to me, having been a legislator, sheriff is one of the most remarkable jobs in America because you really stand for public safety and rehabilitation of people. And as far as I'm concerned, that is not a partisan issue. I mean, good government, public safety, and rehabilitation of people is an issue that's broadly supported by all Americans, okay? I'm really honored to have a position where I can do those things. So I think it's important to be tough. And a former prosecutor, I'm, I'm very much, I'm in favor of the death penalty. I'm in favor of tough criminal justice. Uh, and I'm also uh, a believer in rehabilitation reform and second opportunities, especially if you've paid your time. So what we look to do is find the programs that give those the will who are willing to meet us halfway. We can't coddle people who are incarcerated. We're not here to be their best friends, but we're here to hire the most professional people, bring in the most professional programming that will allow them an opportunity, playing on that word, to turn their lives around. So we have looked for many ways, whether it be prison ministry programs that give people an opportunity to find God and turn their life around, or it's a a drug treatment programming gives them sobriety to turn their lives around, or it can be a educational programming, whether it be a high set or college courses or vocational skills. We provide culinary programs and various job skill programs so you can get a job, which President Reagan once said is the best social program, which I agree with. Opportunity was a program that was presented to me by one of my local colleges. They had a program taught by the graduate students that they brought into the, the, the schools of Worcester County, the public schools, to teach kids, particularly those who didn't have exposure to music, expose them to music so they can learn to play instruments, write their own music, express themselves. And they approached me with the idea that this could be very good and beneficial for therapeutic for the inmate population. And I agreed very much so. So we have about a 12-week program. The inmates come in uh, to a classroom taught by graduate students at Anna Maria College. It's going to be a national curriculum, so it's already spreading across the country, but we were the first prison to have it. They come in, and during these weeks of programming, they teach the inmates to play instruments, to write their music, to express themselves. And at the end of this program, we put on a concert, which is the film you had. We allow, we allow it. We don't normally allow any type of contact visits. But if you enter this program, at the end of it, we put a concert on in our chapel. And we allow the inmates to have family members come and to hear their performance. What we found is this program is incredibly therapeutic for the inmate. Interestingly, it's just as therapeutic and beneficial for those who come to teach the program. They grow as people. They learn a lot about people who are incarcerated, their life stories. They grow as people and the inmate grows and their families appreciate what they are. So we found this program is beneficial for the inmate, their soul their their therapeutic benefits and when they get out again their inmates were less likely to repeat offend they are changed as people and we're really proud of that program as in here the stop program that's a substance treatment opportunity program sometimes there was a time still similar although with criminal justice reform there's changes in our population but essentially 80 to 90 percent of people who are incarcerated today are incarcerated because of substance abuse you know they, they whether it be alcohol or drugs that's 
that's a message you want to bring to young people, which, by the way, a separate program called Face to Face that I put in front of almost a half a million students in my county myself. Facts and myths about drugs. Every inmate in America knows every myth about drugs. They didn't know the facts. I figured out to put myself out of business, I should go into the schools because as this shows, so many people have drug and alcohol substance abuse issues. So I want to put myself out of business by going to the middle of high schools because what I learned was the majority of people incarcerated today have substance abuse issues. And if they don't, they wouldn't be in prison. So if you want to know how to stay out of prison, number one, don't get involved with drugs and alcohol. Your chance of going to prison just dropped 80%, maybe higher. So this program, as you put up there, that graph shows that successful releases after a program. This is a intensive program. We have one for uh, for um, those who are in our in our jail, who are uh, who are uh, inmates that are sentenced. That program it can be up to six month treatment program. Very unique in, in, in corrections in America. We also have a shortstop program for those who are here for a shorter time. They get intensive drug treatment programming, therapeutic approaches, and when they get out, their recidivist rate is significantly lower than the general population. So we know this. Throwing the key away sounds great. You know, some of us want to be tough on crime. I want to be tough on crime. But I want to be smart on crime. And smart on crime means we need to invest and give people opportunities to turn their lives around. Because if an inmate leaves my facility and goes back into my communities, and I mean all 60 of them, and they go to all of them. Anybody who thinks people don't come to jail from my little town, you're wrong. They do. But we want them to re return and re-enter society successfully so they can work, so they get the treatment programming they, they need. They have a place to live. And if they do those things and they succeed, that means there's fewer crimes committed, meaning we all win. The family, uh, our families win, lower crime rates, more businesses want to come and open up a business because it's a safe community. You've got families that are living in, a, in less fear, and you've got individuals who have dignity and pride that comes from hopefully getting out of here and going back to a better life, a life of work, a life of pride. And that's what we try to focus on here, the dignity of the individual to succeed in life, not to get on benefits and public assistance, but to succeed by work and opportunity. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think a lot of us, um, especially legislators and government officials, forget that nationally about 96% of inmates are going to be released back into society. You know, yeah. we, we can't just uh, pretend like after a conviction, even for a long sentence, that the problem's over and, you know, justice has been served and, and that's the end of the story, you know, even if justice has been rightfully served. Uh, because it's not. These people are going back into society. And I think the programs that you're leading are a prime example of why it is so important to pay attention to inmates. Uh, why you should care about their mental health, um, uh, rehabilitation efforts, um, and focusing onward from actually reintroducing them properly. Uh, a program of yours that caught my interest was that inmate work program. Uh, this is where you take willing, low-risk offenders um, out into the community with supervised crews to develop work skills. Um, could you tell us just a little bit about that real quick? Because I know we're short on time. Yeah. And what results you've seen from that, how that's affected recidivism rates? Yeah, I'll, I'll be as quick as I can because it's one of my favorite programs. It's an inmate work program. We have a reduced program because with criminal justice reform and, and with the whole COVID, some of the inmates who are the least, uh, you know, least likely to come aren't coming anymore. So the program is, has got dropped significantly. But prior to COVID, we were saving Worcester County taxpayers a million dollars a year by taking inmates who wanted to participate in a program, low risk, nonviolent offenders, 
Give them a chance to get up every day, go into the community and perform work service. And in that time, in a year basis, they saved a million dollars. I'll sum it up in one story. I asked an inmate one day, voluntary program, by the way, how do you like being in this program? We were out in a senior center doing some painting. And he said, Sheriff, I want to thank you for letting me be in this program. Because for the first time in my life, I get up every day, Sheriff, and I go to work. And the community appreciates it. I feel good about myself. I can't wait to get out and get a job. I never had a job before. And I want to I want to make myself proud and my family proud. And I even asked him, like, where'd you grow up? And he grew up in a, in a housing project. And his mother grew up in that project. And he, and he wanted a better way. And I remember thinking to myself, imagine a program. Now, I'm going to repeat this twice just so you don't miss it. It saves the taxpayers millions of dollars and turns people's lives around. Saving, not costing. Right. Saving millions, turning lives around. And I guess the, the moral of that story for me is there is no dignity in dependence. There is none. There is dignity in work, in pride. And that's what I found with our inmate population. When they get out of here, they don't want to go back to their old ways. They're not proud of that. If they see me outside, they run across the street. They don't want to see me if they're failing. <laughs> right. And when I tell them, when I every graduation I've been to, I tell them this story. I said, I used to say, I don't ever want to see you again. But I do. I want to see you when you're succeeding out there. Because you know what? If they're failing, if they're back on substances, if they're not working, if they're failing, they're not going to want to see me. They don't want to bother me. The ones that come across the street to say hi, Sheriff, do you remember me? I'm doing great. Some people have told me more than you would believe or your listeners going to prison was the best thing that ever happened to them because they turned their lives around. So that's what we hang our successes on. This is not a partisan issue. This is not Democrat, Republican. This is common sense approach to a problem to make our society a better place. But for me, it came back to professionalism uh, because our, our, our department had too long been perceived as a political and patronage place. And I thought it was important to set the bar straight, start over and build it the right way. And it took a long time, but we're 11 years in and I couldn't be prouder of the work we're doing. You know, it's, it's a really important point. You mentioned the politics of it and how it's perceived. Um, you know, you're, you're Republican. You've been a Republican in the state legislature. You're a former prosecutor, private practice attorney, and now obviously, um, you know, an elected county sheriff. Um, so not only do you have like a, a wide variety of valuable experiences, but I think unique perspectives to the criminal justice system, different angles and approaches um, that you've made efforts into the system with. Um, so I'm curious to know what you think that for the other conservative legislators and local officials listening and who will be watching this in the future, what do you think they should really grasp here and take home with them uh, that they can implement in their states and their counties and their municipalities um, to address these different issues, whether they be officials who are hesitant to approach community corrections and recidivism programs, or just don't know where to start? Well, I think the first thing, I mean, coming from Massachusetts, which is, you know, arguably one of the most partisan states in the country, you know, we have a legislature that's 90 plus percent Democratic, and I've had been treated very well by the people in this community, in this state, and I've tried to stand for good government. And I think good government is not partisan. And many times if you have an overwhelmingly, you know, partisan government state, it gets corrupted. So first of all, you just stand up and you you go to the folks and you tell them the community what you want to do, which is common sense, good government ideas. And I think money has corrupted a lot of politics. So when I, as I said, I ran for sheriff, I would not accept uh, contributions. I didn't even accept uh, uh, endorsements at the time. I didn't want them. I wanted the endorsement of the people. 
So I just believe it comes down to, you know, focusing on the issues your community cares about and then going to hard, do the hard work for them, serve your constituents, serve your community. You've got to be, to get elected is hard and you've got to be a good candidate. You got to work hard and you're going to have to ask people for a lot of help because it's not easy uh, getting elected. But I believe if you stick to your guns and you're a good candidate and you got people behind you and you assemble a good team and you got a good message, I can't tell everybody what their message is because every community is different. But I can tell you in the world of law enforcement, we have a huge social media presence. And when I have a graduation program, like I have a financial literacy program taught by Worcester State here, okay? And we have graduates of the program and they learn how to do checkbook writing, avoid being scammed, uh, all these investment techniques that they learn when they're incarcerated. They should learn that in high school, but they don't. But you know, I know the people who follow my social media. And I know some of them are liberals and some are conservatives, some are Republicans, some are Democrats. But to a person, they support these programs. They support these inmates. I tell them, the people out there are pulling for you. They want you to succeed. And I think that's what we have to realize, as, especially as conservatives or Republicans, that we're trying to help the individual reach their potential. And some people have had a hard go of it. We're not making excuses for them. We're trying to reach them to give them an opportunity to reach their full potential as an individual. That doesn't come from being dependent on government programs, being incarcerated, getting released on public assistance. It gets you out there back into the community where you can you can feed your family, you can take care of yourself, that you're off your substance abuses. There's a lot of pitfalls out there, and I'm not making light. Some people, but the grace of God, go me. I always say to everybody in my place, I don't have a robe. I'm not a judge. I'm here to work with this population. Send those that need to go to state prison. Believe me, I'll drive them if they need to go up there. That's where they belong. I'll drive them myself. But a lot of people are getting released to my community, and I owe it to my community to give these people an opportunity to, to be better citizens and not hurt our community. So that's how I look at criminal justice. I think the people support criminal justice. They do. There's a, there's a lot of people say over-incarceration. And look, there's some parts of the country that may or may not be true. I don't know. I can say in Massachusetts, it takes a lot to get to prison here in Massachusetts. And when you come, our job is to try to help you never come back again. Thank you so much, Sheriff Lou Evangelitis from Worcester County, Massachusetts. I wish that every sheriff in this country would be as professional and as dedicated as you are. You are absolutely making a difference in this country and making America safe again. So thank you for your time today. And if anyone wants to learn more about ALEC and our criminal justice reforms, we have over 900 different model policies. Many of them relate to reforms for criminal and civil justice. And so thank you. Um, we'll, we'll let you go because we are running out of time. But um, we appreciate what you're doing and the inspiration you are to the rest of America, Sheriff. Thank you. Thank well, you, Sheriff. thank you for all you're doing to get the word out. It was an honor to be on with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Sheriff. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.